I grew up loving animals and always wanted to have dogs. My dream was to have a golden retriever or a black Labrador. But my mother, unfortunately, was allergic to pet hair. And so we had to choose between having a dog or having a mom. Begrudgingly, we chose mom. But as a concession, my parents let us children have colorful tropical fish. And we loved raising fish. But the problem was the fish kept dying after a few days. We probably killed 20 to 30 tropical fish. And it often happened after we cleaned out the fish tank. We didn't think we were doing anything wrong. Tank gets dirty, take the fish out, clean it, put in new water from the faucet, and dump the fish back in. But therein lay the problem. In the excitement of getting the fish back in, what we later realized was we children didn't wait for the new water temperature to warm up before we threw the tropical fish into the mini-aquarium. We were eager to see the fish swim around, and the tropical fish were dying of hypothermia. We live in an instant culture where we don't have time to wait, and the idea of waiting has been lost on this generation, both young and old. It is hard for us when God, in response to our prayer requests, answers wait. We simply don't like to wait. We would rather that God give us a simple, straight yes or no answer, but please, God, don't tell us to wait. God, in response to our prayer request, often tells us to wait because the purposes of God often develop slowly because His grand designs are never hurried. The great New England preacher, Philip Brooks, was noted for his poise and quiet manner. At times, however, even he suffered moments of frustration and irritability. One day, a friend saw him feverishly pacing the floor like a caged lion. What's the trouble, Pastor Brooks, he asked. Brooks responded, the trouble is that I am in a hurry, but God isn't. Haven't we felt the same way many times? The world is passing us by. Everyone is getting married. Other churches are doing unique things. Other business are being more innovative. Other families are more progressive. Others are getting healed and moving on with life. We need to be doing something, and we sought God's counsel in prayer, but it seems He has told us to wait. Waiting is hard. Look at the attitude of the psalmist in Psalm chapter 69, verse 3. Psalm chapter 69, verse 3. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Perhaps some of you can identify with the psalmist who is tired from crying, from the hurts in his life. His throat is dry from the crying out and pleading with God to quickly answer his prayer request. And his eyesight is failing as he's getting older because of how long God is making him wait. Can you imagine crying out to God for that long? I mean, our instant generation with modern technology can barely wait for a few minutes, for an hour, much less a day, or even a week. But think about having to wait for a month, a year, a few years, a few decades for God to answer your request. Oh, the frustration. So what are you waiting for in life? I'm sure many of us are waiting for something whether it's waiting for the results of a medical test or waiting for the results of a college entrance exam or waiting for a business deal to go through, waiting for a right job, waiting for your family business model to change while the older generation is still in charge, waiting for your ministry to take off, 
waiting for your life partner, waiting for him to ask, waiting for her to say yes, waiting for a child. There is much we are waiting for. The wait is sometimes worse than when God simply answers no. What are we to do when our request before the Lord comes back to us with an answer of wait? As we study God's Word, I want to show us four things we are to remember when God answers wait. The first thing we are to do if God answers wait is to, number one, remember that it is good to wait. Remember that it is good to wait. This is actually a biblical principle for waiting. Take a look with me at Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 to 26. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 25 to 26. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Let me repeat that. Listen carefully. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Although we may not like it, the Bible says it is good for us to wait. Not only is it good for us to wait, the Lord is good. He blesses those who wait for Him and on His timing for things. The reason it is good to wait is because those who are impatient and rush headfirst or rush into something without thinking will often not get it right or will often not get what is best in life. For example, one of the first lessons of diving to great depths in scuba diving is that there are times you may go to such great depths that you don't know which way is up. You're so deep in the ocean that you don't know which way is up. Many a divers have died thinking they were swimming to the surface in panic, but instead they were actually swimming deeper. A diving skill is that if you're not sure which way is up, don't panic and begin to swim in any direction. Stop. Wait. Wait and check the buoyancy to pull you to the direction of the surface. Warren Worsby makes this observation well. The ability to calm your soul and wait before God is one of the most difficult things in the Christian life. Our old nature is restless. The world around us is frantically in a hurry, but a restless heart usually leads to a reckless life. A restless heart usually leads to a reckless life. Let's say in your rush, in your impulse, you marry the first person you are attracted to in life, perhaps in high school. You meet her and you say, she's the one, or you meet him and you say, he's the one, and you close your mind to getting to know other people. The problem with this is that you may not be open to getting to know more people that you meet in college or in the professional world that God really desires for you to be with, someone who is a better complement to your personality. Some have asked me, was your wife Cindy your first and last relationship? And my answer is no. But I'm glad I was open-minded enough and waited for God's best for me before I married. And that's why I married Cindy. Because the Lord orchestrated it that I would meet someone half a world away who would be the complete opposite of me, but perfectly complements and balances my personality. She is introverted to my extroverted personality. She is more Asian in her thinking while I'm more Western. But more importantly, she moves at a more cautious pace while I'm more impatient and impulsive. 
and her cautiousness has saved me from getting to more trouble because of my impulsive nature. A restless heart usually leads to a reckless life. I'm glad I waited. This even applies to buffets, if you can believe it or not. After eating at countless all-you-can-eat buffets, I have come to realize that the best strategy is often to wait, to eat what you really want. Those who wait get the best, and that's why it's good to wait. You see, it's known that generally in many buffets, they take their time in refilling the more expensive things like the seafood and the meats, so that while you wait and get impatient and hungry, you will fill your stomachs with the cheaper pastas and breads and the carbohydrates, so that you will get full waiting for the good stuff, or you will eat less of it because now you are more full with the less quality and less expensive foods. If you have the patience to persevere and wait until they take out the good stuff, fending off the temptation to eat the cheaper things that call out to you, then you will get to enjoy the better things. My friends, it is good for us to wait. Do you believe that? I hope so. I hope you will take to heart this biblical truth. Now, the second thing the Bible teaches we are to do when God answers wait is a number two, remember to rest in the Lord. Remember to rest in the Lord. Look what the psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 37, verse 7. Psalm chapter 37, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. The psalmist tells us to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for His timing. Now, in the context of this verse, it says that the righteous should not allow the success of wicked people to distract us to the point where we depart from God's will and His timing and no longer wait. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing or if you think that the world is passing you by. Just take the time to enjoy the wait. What a great opportunity from God when we slow down to wait that we can relax. This verse tells us that we should not fret, meaning do not worry. There should be no worries as we wait. But for many of us, instead of resting in the Lord, the more we wait, unfortunately, the more we worry. Because we have the notion or the idea that while we are waiting, we have to be doing something. It may be a foreign idea to us that while we wait, we can simply rest and relax in the Lord. Because there are many things that we experience in life that are simply outside of our control. And while we wait for the Lord to resolve the situation, He's telling us to trust Him, to give Him control in order to give us the opportunity to rest. Think about how you react when you have to wait behind a long line at the grocery checkout. What is your emotional state while you're waiting for the results of your medical test or your biopsy? How does it feel waiting for a life partner or a child? How anxious are you as you wait to know if you've been promoted or will be accepted into a school? I'm sure many of us feel anxiety. We are worried. And while it's natural to worry and to be anxious the more we wait, it may sound counterintuitive, but when given the answer to wait by God to our prayer request, then we should learn the important lesson of resting because we can trust in God. Because while we wait, there's nothing else we can do. So naturally, we can only but trust God. In that period of waiting, 
The focus and the action is no longer on us. The focus and the action is on the Lord. In our waiting, we get to sit back and watch God work instead of us working and worrying. It is in this reality lived out that we find true rest. Wayne Stahl writes, because the results of God's sovereignty are delayed, waiting remains an act of faith. We believe results will occur one day. By waiting on God, we affirm our belief in His providence. We trust His timetable. We hope in heaven. Waiting on God is inseparably bound to our belief in the sovereignty of God to bring about the good He promises. Waiting is often the application of many other more abstract biblical qualities of character. Hope, for instance, requires waiting. Faith is all about waiting. Patience and waiting are yoked together. Trust requires delayed gratification. In fact, run down your mental list of the fruit of the Spirit and see if waiting doesn't play into every single one of them. Back when I was working in corporate America and traveled almost every week by plane, I was very impatient. I just had to be the first one onto the airplane. I had to be the first one in so that I could find space for my luggage in the overhead bin. I had to be the first one off so that I could be the first at the immigration line or at the baggage counter. I was worried about so many things, but most of it related to being first on and off the airplane. After a few years of this, I realized, what's the rush? We're all getting to the same place at the same time. The front of the airplane is going to arrive at the same time as the back of the airplane arrives. Because if it didn't, that meant you were in an airplane crash and the plane broke apart. My rushing to be the first in the plane and the first out of the plane and the stresses that came with it won't get me to my destination really any earlier. So now when I travel, I wait and can relax until everyone is on board and so I can easily stroll on board and even be the last one to board the plane. Who cares if I can't find an overhead bin right above me? I can usually find something, and if not, I just let them check in my luggage for free. When I wait and learn to rest in the Lord and not worry, I don't have to worry about trying to control all the aspects of a situation of which I really have no control of anyways. It's all in God's hands. So I just let the situation determine my action, and living like this is very freeing and relaxing. It's like waiting in line. How many of you pick a line at the grocery store and you simply stay there and you use the time while waiting to catch up with messages on your phone or listening to music or playing games? You're just simply relaxing. Or are you like me where you're counting how many people are in each line and how many items they have in each of their cart before you pick a line? But instead of just staying in that line, you continue to constantly look and assess the situation in other lines, and perhaps even moving to other lines if you think they're moving faster. Maybe in all of the line switching, you save only five minutes of time, but you are so stressed during that time of waiting, moving back and forth between the lines, when you could have been relaxing and resting. We learn not to worry about things we cannot control when we remember to wait and rest in the Lord. Andrew Lewson, CEO of Cityland Development and a Christian leader, invited me to lunch many years ago. He had been diagnosed with liver cancer 
and underwent liver transplant operation in Hong Kong. As we talked about his ordeal, I asked him about how he was able to keep so calm and not worry about what was a life-and-death situation. In fact, before his transplant, he even had a farewell service just in case he didn't survive the transplant. He said, I learned the lesson of not worrying while I waited, because years before, I went through a similar journey with my wife's breast cancer, going through the waiting process and playing the agonizing waiting game. We were worried sick after each test was taken as we were waiting for the results. And Andrew realized that they were being controlled by the situation. And so he told me, I learned through my own trials in waiting that I would start with the worst possible news, and that was that I was going to die. But since I realized that I was going to heaven, having placed my trust in Jesus, I realized that wasn't too bad. So that meant with each bit of news I get from the doctor, the news will always be good news so that I don't worry so much. That is what it means to rest in the Lord as you wait. Don't worry about things you have no control over. While you rest, relax, enjoy. A second aspect of resting is not only resting, but also the process of strengthening. Look at Psalm chapter 27, verse 14. Psalm 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. My friends, I know that waiting takes a lot out of us emotionally. But here in this verse, it tells us there is a correlation between waiting and strengthening. When you stop and wait, the Bible says you will be strengthened. So, for example, in any sporting event like basketball, it doesn't matter how great a player you are. Very few players play all the minutes of the game. A wise coach takes the player out to rest. Why? So that when he is out, he has a chance to catch his breath, and he has a chance to be strengthened so that when he goes back in, he can play with more energy. If a player never gets a chance to rest, he will slowly become more inefficient. My friends, God knows we all need to rest. We all need to be strengthened. And that's why He often tells us to wait so that He can strengthen us. He can get us to rest. In English, the Olympic motto reads, swifter, higher, stronger. Interestingly, the Bible also has its own Olympic-like text in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, talking about God's strengthening of us while waiting. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, this is not only a verse for older people. We often like to give this verse to seniors who are celebrating special occasions. But this is a verse for all of us. Did you catch the first part? But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. My friends, renewal of inner strength comes only to those who learn to rest. And this is a hard lesson to learn. The renewal of our inner life, our walk with God, comes only for those who learn to quiet themselves and wait upon the Lord. So it's okay when the Lord answers, wait. The third thing the Bible teaches us we are to do when God answers, wait, 
is that we are to number three, remember to focus on God and His Word. Remember to focus on God and His Word. Look what the psalmist writes in Psalm 130, verse 5. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His Word I do hope. There it is. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean just sitting down and allowing life to stop and not do anything. Here the psalmist says, I will wait, but my hope is in the Lord. My focus will be on Him. The passing of time is spent drawing closer to Him and His Word to trust and to rely on Him. Waiting seems long when we aren't doing anything. That's why for a generation past in doctor's offices or in dentist offices, as you wait, perhaps even at a restaurant, before everyone had a cell phone, the older people will remember that these offices and restaurants will provide a television or a newspaper or magazines to keep you occupied. That's why airlines provide in-flight entertainment so that you can pass the time doing something. And as you're doing something, the time seemingly passes quicker. In the same way when you wait, remember you are to do something. And what you are to do is to draw closer to God and His Word. You are to focus on Him. That will make your waiting worthwhile. Sometimes God is asking us to wait so that we can focus on Him, so that we can know His Word more so that we can draw more intimately close to Him. James Farmer writes about how we wait. He says this, Part of our experience of waiting is cultural, and how time elapses while we wait can vary from person to person and context to context. We wait differently, and we have different expectations that are grounded in specific cultures. From the cultural expectation about waiting in lines in Japan to a common practice in Uganda of arriving hours early to a bus stop each morning so that people can wait together as a community gathering. But while part of our perception of duration may be linked to these cultural expectations of waiting, part of our awareness of duration is also a cognitive process that is wired into how our brain functions. After a period of working with a particular device, according to computer scientist Ben Schleiderman, our brains begin to set expectations for how quickly it should respond. If these expectations aren't met, we move on to the next task quickly, often around the one or two second mark, unless something calls us back. How we wait is a combination of technological expectations, how quickly we believe that our technologies should be working, Cultural expectations, how the context in a society sets up certain expectation of how people should wait according to their position within that society, and how our brains are able to pay attention while waiting. Sadly, our technological advanced generation has made us very impatient. If we have to wait, we check the news, play our mobile games, catch up on messages, read our e-books. How many of us instead while waiting, open up our e-Bibles and read a chapter of the Bible or spend time in prayer or practice one of the spiritual disciplines. Technological expectations are such that if we can get an answer from Google in less than five seconds, we expect God to answer that quickly as well or else we move on to the next thing to trust. And our cultural expectation is that we no longer value waiting. The world is moving fast and changing rapidly. And if we don't get with the program, 
then we will be left behind. Nowhere in these cultural expectations is using the time of waiting to focus more on God and His Word as we should as Christ followers. As we anxiously wait, unfortunately our default is not to spend time with God to be more assured through reading His Word or in prayer. Instead, if we are sick and we're waiting for the doctor to get back to us with our results, instead of praying, we get online and try to Google our sickness based on our symptoms. You see, everyone is an internet doctor these days. And we get on websites like WebMD. And after reading it, we get more worried. Because, for example, what is simply a rash, because of you looking at these internet pictures, think that you have cancer. So now you're even more worried than ever before. Or, for example, if you're waiting for a score in your test, you've turned in the test. Instead of praying for calmness, praying that the results glorify God, you spend the time reconstructing the test that you just took. You ask your friends, who would you get on this and that question? You relive the test you took, worrying whether you got it right or wrong. Or perhaps you think, I should have said this in the interview. I should have said this on the sales call. Now it will determine whether I get that job or that deal. We forget that there are other things to do, like focusing on God and trusting in Him, regardless of how we did. The test has already been taken. We're just simply waiting for the results. How are you spending that time? Why not remember to focus more on God, not to worry as you wait for those results? The time of waiting is a great opportunity to focus on God and His Word so that you can find peace and assurance. So as you wait for a life partner who loves Jesus, or waiting for a medical test or a COVID test or a biopsy test result, or whatever you're waiting for, let me encourage you to spend more time reading God's Word, other Christian books, spending more time with Him in prayer, practicing the spiritual disciplines, getting involved in church activities to serve and deepen your spiritual life. Use the waiting time God has given you wisely. As you get to know God and focus on Him, you will naturally relax and trust more. If not, it's as ridiculous as you letting someone else drive for you, but you are tense and worried all the time, so you tell the driver how to drive, that they're going too fast or too slow, that they need to avoid this and that obstacle, that you tell them to look right or look left or look back. We call this the dreaded backseat driver. How do you stop doing this and instead relax, sleep, read, enjoy yourself in the back seat? Well, you get to know the driver. You focus on his skills and abilities. You remember how well he has driven in the past. So the more you focus on this truth, the more you stop worrying and enjoy yourself. It is the same with God. The more we focus on God, the more we know about Him, the more we can trust Him, the more we can rest. So while we wait, let us focus on God and know Him more through His Word. Some of the greatest missionaries of history devotedly spread the seed of God's Word and yet had to wait long periods before seeing the fruits of their efforts. William Carey, for example, labored seven years before the first Hindu convert was brought to Christ in Burma. Adonira Judson toiled seven years before his faithful preaching was rewarded. In Western Africa, it was 14 years before one convert was received into the Christian church. In New Zealand, it took nine years. 
In Tahiti, it was 16 years before the first harvest of souls began. These men and women of God, if you read their biographies, didn't just preach a sermon, sit down and said, okay, God, now do the work. They continued to focus on the person of God, His character, the Great Commission, their call, the work of God in their lives, and they tarried on even though God made them wait seven, eight, nine, ten, fourteen years before they saw the results of their work. We too can remember to focus on God in His Word when He answers wait. The fourth thing the Bible teaches us we are to do when God answers wait is number four, remember that God has not forgotten you. Remember that God has not forgotten you. Look at me at Micah chapter 7, verse 7. Micah chapter 7, verse 7. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Here the prophet Micah says, I will wait, but I know for sure that my God will remember me and hear my prayers. You see, one of the toughest things about waiting is that we wonder if we have been forgotten. We wonder if God has forgotten us. We wonder if God has forgotten our prayer requests. And so while we wait, we want to know that we are still in queue to know that we have not been forgotten. And so we check up often when we've been waiting a long time. We call it following up, whether it's a food order or whatever else. We even follow up with God. God, do you remember? Have you forgotten? Before I was a pastor, I was a management consultant. One of the areas of my consulting work was in the area of customer relation management, CRM. I would help advise companies how to make sure that customer interaction with the company was a pleasant experience for the customer. And for the VIP clients of the company, they would get better treatment, of course. Now, one of the frustrations of us dealing with corporate anything is to be able to talk to a live person. And so we dial those toll-free numbers, and we're often put in what's called the IVR. We have to press through the menu, press one for this, press two for this. And the worst part, if you know what I'm talking about, is to be put on hold. And as you are put on hold, they have the music playing. And every one or two minutes, an announcement comes, sorry to put you on hold. Or it goes something like this, your call is very important to us. And I want to say, if my call is very important to you, why am I waiting for so long? We know that these messages are annoying to us, but they also serve a very important purpose. It gives us feedback. It lets us know that the company has not forgotten you, that while you are still on hold, you will be attended to. There's actually a psychological and a practical reason why those audio statements come on every one or two minutes while you wait. Because of all we hear is silence or music, without any human voice, one begins to wonder if we are still remembered. And people will often hang up and dial again. And of course, they will be even more frustrated because that just puts them back in the line. In the same way, when you wait, remember that God has not forgotten you. His Word serves as a vehicle to assure us that He remembers us. When we follow up, the Bible serves as His response and feedback that says, I haven't forgotten. Continue to patiently wait. Turn with me to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 8. 
Therefore, wait for me, says the Lord, until the day I rise up for plunder. My determination is to gather the nations to my assembly of kingdoms, to pour on them my indignation, all my fierce anger. All the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. The people of Israel, contextually, also wondered whether God would remember the promises He made to deal with their enemies, to restore them. But here in this verse, the Bible tells us, God tells them, wait. Hang on, wait. I haven't forgotten. This promise will take a while to fulfill, but I have not forgotten. This is the assurance from God to His people that He will bring about judgment to those who have come against Him and His people. And while the wait may be long, He always remembers. He always keeps His promise. When we read this verse, and we read other verses like this, we want God to quickly deal with the evildoers of this world just as He has described in this verse. But this verse has yet to be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled in the tribulation and in the millennial kingdom. And so the people of Israel have been waiting 3,000 plus years and counting. The people of Israel have been waiting that long for God to deal with the people who oppress them. Now, 3,000 years is a long time to wait. How long have you been waiting for what you have requested? Some of you have been praying for your family members for more than 10 years, praying for their salvation, praying for your parents' marriage to work out. My friends, don't give up. Focus on God and His promises. I know the waiting has been long, but He has not forgotten. If you focus on the struggle, you will lose hope very quickly. But if you focus on God and His promises that He has not forgotten, you can be encouraged. My friends, our God remembers. Our God says that what He says will come to pass. It may be a long time, but it will happen. He will answer that quote-unquote phone in His perfect time and in His perfect will. Be assured that God does not place us on an eternal phone hold. He will answer our request but in the meantime, He just tells us to wait, to check in by reading His Word to know that He is actively dealing with the situation that He tells us He remembers. As we close, I like how Max Lucado describes waiting. He writes, So here I sit in the waiting room. The receptionist took my name, recorded my insurance data, and gestured a chair. Please have a seat. We will call you when the doctor is ready. I looked around. A mother holds a sleepy baby. A fellow dressed in a suit thumbs through Time magazine. A woman with a newspaper looks at her watch, sighs, and continues the task of the hour, waiting. The waiting room, not the examination room, that's down the hall. Not the consultation room, that's on the other side of the wall. Not the treatment room, exams, consultations, and treatments all come later. The task at hand is the name of the room, the waiting room. We in the waiting room understand our assignment to wait. We don't treat each other. I don't ask the nurse for a stethoscope or blood pressure cuff. I don't pull a chair next to the woman with a newspaper and say, hey, tell me what prescriptions you are taking. That's the job of the nurse. My job is to wait, so I do. Can't say I like it. Time moves like an Alaskan glacier. The clock ticks every five minutes not every second. Someone presses the pause button. 
life in slow-mo. That's our assignment, to wait. When God answers, wait, that's our assignment, wait. It's not to get through it quickly. It's just to wait until you are called. Waiting for God is not laziness, G. Campbell Morgan writes. Waiting for God is not going to sleep. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort. Waiting for God means first, activity under command. Second, readiness for any command that may come. Third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. My friends, I don't know what specific requests you've made to God. And I don't know how long you've been waiting for. But whether it is an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year, a decade, a few decades, remember our job, our task is to wait. And while we wait, remember these things. Remember that it is good to wait. Remember to rest in the Lord. Remember to focus on God and His Word. Remember that God has not forgotten you. The picture of waiting is this. God says to you, my friend, my child, over there is a nice big couch. Why don't you put up your feet and wait for me there? It will be good for you to wait. There you will be refreshed. There you will be strengthened. There's some drinks and snacks over there so that you can enjoy yourself. You just let me deal with your request. Everything is under control. Things will happen in my timing. Just enjoy the rest and relax. Oh, by the way, right next to the couch is a Bible. Instead of watching television or Netflix, read my book. Focus on me. My words, as you read it, will remind you that you are not forgotten. And my friends, that's the picture I want you to have when God says, wait. Not for you to get angry, impatient, and move ahead of God or move away from God because He's taking too long. Just pull up a chair, grab a cup of coffee, sit down, enjoy His words of assurance, and enjoy the task and the process of waiting. Once you learn this lesson, you will learn how wonderful it is to wait on the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your words. What a comfort it is to know that You have everything under control when You tell us to wait. Often we are impatient. The world and the culture and the technology that we are exposed to has made us very impatient. And so we do not practice the discipline, the spiritual discipline of waiting. Help us to wait on You so that as we wait, our focus can be turned to You, that we will deepen our understanding of Your Word as we seek the assurance that You have not forgotten us. Help us to understand that when You answer wait, it is supremely, ultimately for our good under Your divine, sovereign, perfect will. So as we wait, Lord, give us the patience. Help us to enjoy the waiting process. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.